Hey, sister. Thanks for tuning in to the Your Sorority Journey podcast. Today, we are talking about the lessons sorority teaches you that cultivates lifelong loyalty to your organization, to your institution, to the community, to social justice issues at large. We have invited a longtime sister friend of mine, Veronica Aguilar, on the podcast today to talk about how her sorority membership has set her trajectory and fueled a passion in her for equity in education, facilitating spaces for women to grow and experience professional development, and collaborate with people from different backgrounds and experiences than herself. You are going to love getting to know her and I'm personally excited for you to hear some of our backstory, how far our journeys go back. Here's my conversation with Veronica. Hey sister, Cassie Little here to welcome you to your sorority journey, a podcast for sisters to find guidance and confidence in any season of their membership. Our rock star guests and I have intentional conversations, discuss unpopular topics and provide relevant encouragement to be an extension of your sisterhood. So thanks for inviting us on your journey. Are you ready to dive in? Veronica, welcome to the Your Sorority Journey podcast. I am absolutely thrilled to have you on and reconnect with you on my platform today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you know, I remember when I was panel like delegate back in like 2015, this like super enthusiastic young professional coming in, talking about Teach for America. And obviously your career has taken you so many places from there. And now it's special to know that one of my dear friends from college is in that role that you were in um, all those years ago. So excited to reconnect how all those different roles you've held in the higher education space come back to your sorority experience. So why don't you just like walk us through your sorority journey for us? Absolutely, Cassie. Thank you so much for bringing all that up and having me here today. Um, I'm glad that I was bright and bubbly uh, when I came in and and spoke with you all. Um, You know, like you mentioned, my journey has really taken me um, in various places. um, But with this common theme and trend of education and service, And I truly believe that stemmed from my experience uh, in my sorority at Arizona State University. So I'm an only child Arizona native, went to ASU. And as you know, and many know, Arizona State University is an extremely large school. Um, So I wanted to try and find a way to make it a little bit smaller. One of the, you know, being a first generation college student, I didn't really know too much how to navigate but I kept seeing signs for sorority recruitment all across campus. So I said, okay, I need to check this out. Let's just give it a shot and see what happens. So I vividly remember sitting at orientation when the Panhellenic president came out and there were thousands of women in the room and they were so excited to be there to be prospective new members for the sorority. And I remember sitting next to my roommate and going, I want to be her one day. And we were like laughing, right? We're like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, And I was just so inspired by the leadership, the community. And then of course, when I was going through recruitment, um, being able to preference um, and get, you know, a bid with Pi Beta Phi. Um, I wanted to be a leader immediately like yourself um, in college. So I became pledge class president Panhellenic delegate uh, like yourself, and then also was elected to become Panhellenic president my junior year. 
Um, so I was able to achieve that goal um, after I met the Panhellenic president during recruitment. And, you know, my journey really shaped as I was about to graduate from ASU. Um, the financial crisis hit and it really made me see firsthand how important education is. Um, and it was so funny, this recruiter from an organization called Teach for America, who was a Pi Beta Phi at another oh my university. Gosh. Yep. She came and talked with me and met with me. Um, and we were able to connect on so many levels. Um, and I, I was able to, you know, really see the impact that education um, has for others. So I applied to Teach for America, which um, is an organization that really focuses on um, making an impact in low-income communities through teaching. So I got accepted teaching fourth grade uh, at a charter oh school in Phoenix. Yes, taught fourth grade. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. Um, and that really shaped my journey, right, Cassie, to see firsthand the, the inequities that exist, right, within yep. the education system. So um, after that, I worked full-time as a recruiter for Teach for America, which is how you saw me. Yeah, uh, yeah others like yourself and other Greek life members um, to join the organization. And then, you know, I feel like we all realize this, right? I, I realized I wanted to continue my educational journey. I went back to ASU to get my MBA um, and recently graduated this May, which was That's so amazing. Exciting. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And I also work, um, made a transition to come back to ASU um, to my alma mater and be here. Um, and I currently work as an assistant vice president of outreach at ASU um, and really having that connection to my alma mater, being there every single day and having those incredible memories um, is something so special. And, you know, you can kind of see this theme, right? I really care about giving back to the institutions that gave so yeah. much to me. And I really attribute that to my sorority journey, philanthropic mm. service, you know, truly caring um, about a mission and purpose and putting that passion into purpose um, in my career. So that is where I'm at now. I also started a nonprofit, Young and Empowered Women, yeah. um, that has a lot of Greek life members in them, which is really exciting. So that's kind of my side hustle that I do. Um, but yeah, it's been an incredible journey and I, I owe it all to my experiences at ASU. Wow. Well, what's so funny, and I don't, I've heard you talk about your like journey to be Panhellenic president before. Um, you used to tell us like how they would fill the Arizona ballroom for elections yes. and how, like what a big deal it was to be elected. Not that it wasn't when I was at a college mm -hmm. or serving on Panhellenic, but there was just so much more like, um, eventfulness about it yes. than, or I don't know <laughs> what the right word is. And so what's funny is, but I didn't know about your story was that when you were sitting in orientation, you were like, I want to be her, which is really similar yes. to my story of chapter president. <laughs> I was sitting around this pool in somebody's backyard on bid day, hearing, um, a woman, a senior member talk about how they knew that they just recruited their next chapter president. And I just like knew that was me. I just like knew yes. it. And I think it's so important that we hold on to those like dreams that we have, even if they're like fleeting moments of like, I want to do that. Like we write them down or like hold them close because there's something in us that's like connecting us back to like who we are and what matters yes. to us. And I even think it's so beautiful, like how your entire journey has kept you like so loyal and rooted in Arizona. Like even your Teach for America experience was in Phoenix, right? Like yes. how crazy. And I know you and I were just talking before, like, I feel like this time of year is like 
really easy to stay connected to your alma mater because you're like, yeah, go sun devils or whatever. (laughs) I I live in Colorado now and there's a lot of, there's a lot of buffs fans around me. And so like, you know, people are really connected in this season, but what has it really meant to you to stay connected to your alma mater or what has like continued to bring you back to ASU? Like outside of homecoming, outside of like the really (laughs) easy ways to stay connected. Yes, outside all the fun events right. and whatnot. No, absolutely. There, there's something about, I, I really believe, I'm very drawn to missions, right? So mm. even when I went through recruitment um, and preference Pi Beta Phi, um, their philanthropy really called to me. Um, but not only that, my experience at ASU shaped me and who I am today for me wanting to give back and, and serve at the institution, but also ASU's charter, right? To make sure we're not exclusive, but we're inclusive to all. And that's how we measure success. Yeah. And the charter of ASU, you know, making sure everyone has an opportunity to receive an education is the same mission that Match would teach for America as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I truly believe that there's this trend that keeps bringing me back to these places that cares about equity and education. Um, Not only is it an amazing place and we have incredible Greek alumni that come to these homecoming events, right? Right, Um, right. There's just something with um, the institution in itself uh, for the workplace for it to be grounded in such a great purpose to bring in others to have, you know, similar experiences like us, right? Um, It's such a high population for low-income students. Um, black and brown from everywhere all over the world, right? Yeah. Um, and so being a part of that is is truly historic. Well, what I think is really cool is what we are saying is you don't have to go like work for your institution, right? It's not yes. like drop everything and go work for your institution, but I think there are ways to stay connected and be involved and like remain mm-hmm. that loyalty that I think we gain from sorority, yes. right? Like sorority teaches us how to be loyal there's ways for us to hold on to that in whatever field that we are pursuing, right? If we're like a doctor or a lawyer or a social media manager, whatever, like there are ways to incorporate that loyalty back into your alumni membership and experience, both I think as a member of your institution and in sorority. And Mm -hmm. I know like loyalty, like obviously I never even thought about PiFi's mission and like philanthropy tying in so well to education, right? Like (laughs) helping children learn how to read, like how crazy it's like almost like foreshadowing of your career, right? No, it really isn't. And to your point too, Cassie, right? I mean, there's so many ways to get involved um, with Greek life. Um, Not only at, you know, your alma mater, right? They have alumni boards that you can have within your own sororities. Also, there's probably institutional alumni boards, like the greater Greek life uh, yeah. community as well. Um, and also volunteer and mentorship opportunities. We, we launched a mentorship program with Greek life at ASU recently. So yeah, yeah I encourage everyone and anyone, if they want to give back, just, you know, reaching out to a former mentor, faculty member, um, and just get plugged into those different opportunities um, for you to give back and get involved again with the, with, mm. you know, the Greek life community. That's so good. When you look back on your collegiate membership and some of those things, like you were talking about how you attribute so much of where you are today to ASU, specifically from your PiFi experience, what are some Mm -hmm. of the greatest lessons that you learned in PiFi, in Panhellenic as a collegiate member that have played a pivotal role in your life after graduation? 
Yeah, that's a good question. There are so many moments and memories that I learned about, you know, how to be a leader, how to inspire others, um, how to be grounded in a purpose. But there is also someone that really stuck out to me that that helped me shape kind of who I am and really impacted my life. Um, when I was elected to be panelist president at ASU, um, there was this inspirational leader. Uh, you may remember her name, Jennifer Hightower. Um, she worked at Arizona State University and was a huge advocate of the Greek life yeah. community. Um, fun fact, she was panelist president uh, when she went to ASU previously as well. Um, and we just connected on so many levels. And she really taught me about mentorship and empowering and advocating for others. Um, she was one of the busiest women I've ever met in my entire life, but she still found time to have lunch with her you know, mentees, to yeah. inspire us, to help us along the way. It was always a recommendation letter for me. Um, and her you know, legacy continues on. Unfortunately, she, last year she did pass away from cancer, um, but she continued to impact the lives of so many. Um, and I think that was something that I really learned. So with all of my mentees, even a friend of yours that you mentioned, um, who I see as one of my mentees, I try to be the best mentor I can be that Jennifer yeah. was. Um, so that really instilled with me to always want to um, support other women as well. Jennifer was an incredible, incredible woman. I, I remember meeting her for the first time when I was working on the Greek leadership village project, yes. um, yeah. back when we were like literally in like blueprint phases of like, okay, <laughs> like, is this the best like plot of lands to build this on? Uh, is this like the right shape? Do we have enough facilities? Do we have enough beds? Like those mm -hmm. were like the conversations we were having before, we started like actually breaking ground. And so, or deciding like accepting applications, like, holy smokes, right. it was, it was quite the experience. And I just felt so privileged to be able to work with her so closely. I mean, we, we like pitched this whole project to like the city council, like people that work in the Fulton center, right? Like we were, yeah, yeah. we had really big conversations about this that I just felt like so privileged to like work with her on. Mm -hmm. And I, um, Definitely. I didn't have that close of a relationship as you did, but man, I just remember like looking up to her so much and like yeah. being so like heavy with the news last year. I like really yes. appreciate you like honoring her and sharing that lesson that you learned from her because she really did embody like intentional relationship building and yes. how to like pour into younger generations and like intentionally advocate for them. Yes. Which I think like you talk about with the inequities that we see, obviously in fraternity and story life and the education system mm -hmm. holistically, like what a cool way to like carry out her legacy now working to help really motivate and create a pathway for those populations to find a home in a community at Arizona State. That's really special. Yeah, Cassie, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with her and how she carried herself and you know, like you said, um, that was something that all of us um, should continue to instill, right? Yes, going through sorority recruitment and finding your home, right, is so great, but also helping and advocating for everyone else within the Panhellenic community, the multicultural yeah. community, right? And that was something I think she always spoke to. Um, so bringing in individuals from different pathways, um, from different locations across the globe um, to have these similar experiences is really special. That's so good. And so really tying into mentorship, you started this nonprofit yes. during, I mean, it wasn't a nonprofit when you started it, but you started no. this like really intentional, like 
mentorship and like community building program for young women during the pandemic. Would you talk to us about where Young and Empowered started and what it's become? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you mentioned it, right? It, this was organic. Um, it was created, um, you know, during a time last year during COVID-19 where networking needed to be redefined, career coaching needed to be redefined. Um, and many of the women who I've met throughout Greek life, uh, throughout my time with Teach for America and my career, many of the women were reaching out to me, right? Cassie, you probably had the same calls of, hey, like I may need to switch yeah. careers or I need to, you know, I've been with my family. I need to get back to work now or I need to go to grad school, right? Yeah. To um, so there was so much happening last year where people were really realizing what they not only did what they wanted to do, um, but what they needed to do for themselves and their families. So I had these individual conversations and I'm like, I'm not the expert here. Like, I don't know everything, right? Everyone needs to come together. Like Cassie needs to connect with Savannah and Savannah needs to connect with Krishna, right? Like we all need to come yeah. together and have these conversations because everyone was experiencing the same type of thing. They just didn't know what to do with it. So yeah. um, I threw 20 women in a Zoom room and wanted to see what would happen. Um, and it was amazing. Um, mm. During a time where I wanted to bring in an awesome keynote speaker during this uh, one meeting, June of last year, um, I was able to bring in a mentor of mine, Laura Capello. Um, she's the CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters here in Arizona. And she just inspired everyone. She brought the wow. Zoom roof down, really. And <laughs> um, we were just like so excited. That really shaped Cassie, like our meeting cadence from then on. So we just started meeting monthly. I started sharing my connections and networks with these women. Um, this, this group is so diverse in industry background. Wow. And so I wanted to also shape that with the, the speakers that we brought. Um, and really as, as things started to formulate throughout, you know, the first six months, I told the women it was just going to be a 2020 thing, right? I really did. Um, and many women, uh, stayed after with me in December, one of our last meetings and said, Hey, we want to keep this going. Like, what do we need to do? We're not done yet. Let's bring in more women. Let's inspire others. Wow. Uh, because as we were meeting Cassie, like we really were seeing the issues that were coming up in all of our conversations that there are just clear systemic inequities and barriers that limit women's ability to really compete in the labor force, uh, yeah. receive higher lifetime earnings, creating opportunities for professional growth. And it's so interesting. One of our speakers, uh, Monica Villalobos, uh, president and CEO of the Arizona Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, she mentioned that our, you know, women in our country, right? It's half the labor force, but only I think it's over like a third are managers. Wow. Um, and there are clear stats that show uh, for women and especially women of color, right? The the demand for resources for economic yep. advancement opportunity. The need is there. Yeah. We're like, great. Like we're not the only solution, but we could be one of the solutions. So totally. young and empowered women, we really created ourselves, me and this executive team to raise awareness and educate others on women empowerment, equity through different types of development sessions, mentorship, like you mentioned, and networking opportunities to try and overcome these barriers. Mm, that's so good. And I like, as I hear you talk about that goal of like overcoming barriers, coming together and like having intentional conversations, not only from like a lecture, like the awesome keynote speakers yes. you have down, but also like 
interconnected, right? Like I know I've seen your executive team, like they are young professionals like myself who are like just trying to find solutions to barriers that they're experiencing, right? And I think that parallels so well to the idealistic Panhellenic experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like bringing women together across different affiliations, which you already do, right? Many of these (laughs) women are Greek, right? And so bringing together women from multiple affiliations, not just isolated in one chapter, women from different backgrounds, experiences, maybe different parts of the country, different parts of the world that find themselves at a university here to solve problems, to make an impact Mm -hmm. in the areas that their organizations or communities have focused their philanthropic efforts, right? I guess I'm just curious, like what advice do you have for our sorority listeners to work more toward that spirit of collaboration, to like really seek that like idealistic panhellenic community culture instead of Mm -hmm. this competition that we can like so easily fall into, right? Because when we think about some of those big issues, not Mm -hmm. one of us is going to solve that alone. Exactly. Exactly. Cassie, I really appreciate that point in that question because, you know, it's so easy for us to kind of get trapped in that mindset where I'm a Pi Phi, I'm an Alpha Phi, I'm a Theta, right? Yeah. And I see it now more as an alumni, how important it is to put on our panel in a cat. Um, When I was pan president, we were going through recruitment. Uh, We called it pan love. Um, It was just always instilled in us to care about others, check in others, not just within our own house, but within each other. And, you know, even though we have different letters, um, we are all there to support one another. And I I think it's really important for us to remember that we are all there to want to better ourselves and better each other, right? We're there for philanthropic service, uh, lifelong learning. And so not only is collaboration and networking really important, um, to success, right, in your career and your personal growth. Um, but, you know, several of my board members, like you mentioned, they are Alpha Fees, they're Kappa Deltas, right? Um, and also my personal friendships. Um, my best friend's a Delta Zeta. I was in her wedding. Um, my grand little got married last month. I was in her wedding. So um, it, it really can better us not only professionally and personally. And I think that's what happened when we filed as a 501c3 nonprofit, Young and Empowered Women. Um, we saw that everyone wanted to rally behind this mission um, and come together and support each other because now it's so fun, Cassie. Like members are helping each other get jobs. They're like practicing like interview skills, salary negotiations, tips and tricks. So wow. it's a really cool feeling to see us all come together in a different way, even so many years out of college as well. Mm. Well, I think that's so important, right? Because often we talk about the transferable skills that come from your collegiate experience. Like we talk about that a lot, but I think sometimes we forget that like, we actually have to be putting those things into practice in college to gain those skill sets for afterwards. Right. So like, if we want to like, look at a pie fire, like look at a Kappa Delta or a Theta, whatever, and see that opportunity to collaboration, see that sisterhood after graduation, we have to be like actually participating in like investing in those relationships while we're in college, right? Like if we are facilitating this competitive mindset specifically around recruitment, right? Or philanthropy competitions or Greek week, 
then we totally miss the opportunity to, and some like healthy spirit of competition is fun, right? Like we can't, we can't all be on the same intramural team. That would be a disaster. Right. right? But like, (laughs) but like a healthy sense of competition paired with like intentional collaboration on big issues and ways to solve problems or come together to make an impact will only carry you so much further Mm-hmm. after college in your professional life, like you said, in your personal life, if you're mm-hmm. practicing those things in college, I think. It's so true. And I, you bring back so many memories, Cassie. Right. You, right. Right. And, and that was like, that was literally hands down my favorite event every year because we got paired with different fraternities and sororities. Yeah. And I remember we all the whole Greek community, we were raising money towards a cause, right? If it was Valley of the Sun United Way, et cetera. And yeah. it was so fun to like have a shared goal and exceed the goal, of course, together as a community. Um, but that, that was very special. And that's where we got to meet each other too. Yeah, totally. And I think if we don't take advantage of those opportunities or only practice the Greek week dance with our chapter, yes. right? We like don't <laughs> take like the laborious task of like finding a common time and schedule for like four different organizations. Like I get it. Like that's tough, (laughs) but it's so valuable, right? Because you're building relationships outside yourself that I don't know that networking piece that, I mean, that's like collegiate networking, even though you're like dancing, you know, like, or (laughs) building a float, whatever it is, it's really like, it's putting into practice how to work with others so that when not to say the stakes aren't high in college, but when like the stakes look a little different after college, right. You're prepared to like have conversations with people outside your own like immediate network. Definitely. Absolutely. So you addressed the gender gap when talking about like a big area that, um, young and empowered women is striving to address and equip women to navigate. I want to talk about that in terms of maybe what Panhellenic women could do or how they could mm-hmm. participate in that now in preparation for post-grad jobs, maybe even like internship opportunities that they have in college. Mm-hmm. What kind of ideas do you have for how Panhellenic women can participate in fighting against the gender gap? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's like where to start, right? I mean, it, it's so true. And, and right now in a society where women are striving for equity, um, it's important for us to celebrate each other's wins, right? And elevate our voices. And when we think about different ways that we can do that in the collegiate experience, um, right away, I think about, you know, celebrating each other, celebrating our letters, but then also finding mentors and also having mentees for new incoming you know, freshmen or sophomores or new collegiate members to come into your all's organizations. Um, And when you see that potential in someone, right? Like Cassie, I'm sure when um, that president was talking, she was looking at you. She was like, Mm. Cassie would be an amazing president, right? So when you identify leaders and even when you identify those who just need an extra support system, right? And just an extra ear to talk to, um, like that's when you can reach out to those um, prospective new members. If you're a junior or senior and you have young ones like heading in, uh, really identifying those mentees and, and lifting them up um, is something that I think is really important because when we lift each other up, that that's when that's when things happen and that's when you can move the needle because we cannot do this work alone. Um, so like you mentioned, 
instilling that mindset earlier on. Um, and I'll be completely honest, right? Like I remember being very competitive in college, um, just not even with Greek life, but with grades and, and other things that we were participating in. Right. And so totally that mindset, yeah, like changed earlier on. Oh my goodness. I feel like I would have started this nonprofit like five years ago. Right. Oh, um, so yeah. that, that's why, yeah. So that's why it's so important to think about that now, because you know, those may be your future, like business partners, right. Heading into a business together after graduation and maybe your future maid of honor. Right. Um, so yeah, I think changing the mindset is one of them, but then also identifying incredible people that you can support and mentor throughout their own sorority journey, because how powerful is it for not only for you to have a great sorority journey, but for you to be a part of someone else's journey that they'll always remember as well. Veronica, you are preaching what is to come in October. <laughs> I am so passionate as we approach officer transitions that it is a responsibility of every woman who holds a title to call out strengths she sees in younger women to build yes. them up for future leadership, right? To assume yes. that like people are just going to like gravitate toward your position is a false assumption, right? Like you are Absolutely. like wishful thinking. <laughs> if you think that like for whatever culture leadership has in your chapter, obviously some chapters, there are like 10 applications for president every year. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yep. Other chapters, yep. no, everybody's like, I don't be president. You kidding me? Like, <laughs> that is not what I'm here for. Right. And so if we aren't taking the initiative as leaders, as older members to be like, you have incredible communication skills. Like, have you thought about mm -hmm. like maybe being the vice president of programming and delivering programs in chapter? Have you thought yes. about being chapter president and collaborating with whatever those skill sets are? Mm -hmm. But if you mm -hmm. identify first the skill sets that you have utilized in your officer role and then look around yes. and say, hmm, who else has those? That sister is going to be blown off her feet that you took the time to go tell her the strengths you see in her, even if she's yes. not interested in that position, she like now walks into your chapter knowing that she brings value, that she has a unique skill set. Oh, I, I could go off. That is like one of my Cassie. most passionate yes. areas of the sorority experience is calling out strengths you see in other women. It's so true. It's so funny that you mentioned that. So panel like delegate was the role I had in Pi Beta Phi and I wanted membership so bad. And I remember the leadership nominating committee and the president met with me and they're like, we think you can make moves in Panhellenic as a whole. And I'm like, what's a Panhellenic delegate? What is Panhellenic, right? I'm like, what is this thing? If I wouldn't have taken that position, Cassie, I wouldn't have become president for thousands of women across Greek life. And I never would have met Jennifer Hightower in my life mm. before, right? It's yeah. just, it's so true. Like that your trajectory can change. You may not see it that way in the moment, but when others identify your strengths, it's good to listen. Totally. When others identify your strengths, it's good to listen. Absolutely. So good to listen. I think we put a lot of pressure on our leadership trajectory. If we are leadership yeah. inclined, right? Like, right. This is the ladder I have to take. And I felt stuck on the sorority ladder, Veronica, honestly, until like mm. I quit my last job. Like mm. I felt like I was stuck climbing this ladder of, okay, like I'm panel like delegate. Like next I want to be chapter president. Next I want to be whatever. Yeah. And then I want to be a leadership consultant. And then I, and then I got a job like as a keynote speaker. Right. And so like, here I am like climbing the sorority ladder and I felt so much pressure and like so much overwhelm, like 
it was so exhausting. And I think sometimes we also need to release the pressure and remember that the chapter or organization always makes the best decision, right? When it comes to elections, if you are working off like a 50 plus one voting system, right? You have to believe that 50% of your chapter has their head on its shoulders, right? Like, so they are putting you in a position that you are best suited for, even if that wasn't on your ladder, um, or if that was a position that you really wanted, right? Like you're qualified, you're equipped to be there and your chapters, the voting delegates of the council, wherever you're running for a position, they always make the right decision. You have to believe it's that. It's so true. You know, it's important to rise to the occasion, right? Take yeah. on the role and, and make the best of it, you know? Well, and I think it's so cool just like hearing your reflection of, man, if I hadn't listened to this, these women who spoken to me, if I hadn't like said yes to like taking that opportunity, not saying say yes to everything, right? Like discern wisely, (laughs) but like, if you hadn't like made that intentional yes to take that Mm -hmm. on that position, like these other things wouldn't have fallen into place in your life. I'm curious to hear, um, what panelic membership means to you now, Mm -hmm. all these years after graduation, continuing to work with sorority women, both at Arizona State and through Young and Empowered Women? Yep. Um, I would have to say, I'm just so incredibly thankful for my membership experience. Being a part of Panhellenic and PiFi, um, I received incredible leadership and professional development skills um, from you know leading recruitment with, at the time, almost a thousand women coming in over a weekend. After that, I was like, I can do anything. Right, um, and, right. You know, You know, and and it really did push me to be the manager and leader that I am now. And that lifelong commitment of sisterhood is just something that I really care so deeply about, you know, after graduation. And um, like I mentioned, being a part of other journeys um, and story members journeys is so incredible, but then also really wanting to advocate for them as well and give back and be a mentor. I mean, everything, it, it's so crazy, Cassie. It really is how like one decision, it's so funny. I almost went to U of A too. Um, mm. So it's so funny how like one decision, right? Can shape so much of your trajectory. So uh, just being able to reflect and be thankful, Cassie, um, that that's what membership has really meant to me now as an alumni. That's so good. I think when you think about some of those decisions, right? Like going to U of A versus going to ASU. Like I had my, I almost went to university of Oregon. Like I get it. I was, um, I was that way as well. There wasn't even a Sigma Kappa chapter there. I wouldn't have been a member of Sigma Kappa, right? You like go on this trajectory. Like when you look back of, Oh, if I had done this and this wouldn't have happened. And if Mm -hmm. I hadn't made this decision, this wouldn't have happened. Right. And sometimes we look at really negative seasons, in the, in the future, like right now we look back at really negative seasons and be like, man, that like really shaped me or Mm -hmm. cultivated Mm -hmm. like a strength or resilience or this ability to overcome that I didn't have before. Yeah. And I think specifically for our sorority women right now who are transitioning out of that virtual membership experience, like all of your young and empowered women, right. Who were like, how do I like, transition right now, right? They are transitioning back into an in-person membership experience, all with these different members who have different understandings of sorority. Some of them joining during the pandemic, some of them never having recruited 
outside of virtual, right? Others being seniors and being like, let's just go back to the way things have always been done, right? There's going to be conflict, I think, this fall when it comes to what does my sorority membership mean and what Mm. does it look like now after everything's been redefined for me? Um, How do we like find a new rhythm of sorority? And so for women who are like feeling the like desire or urge to like disengage Mm -hmm. or kind of like ride it out until the, until graduation, right. Maybe they're even debating withdrawing. What would you like say to those women who are having a really hard time seeing the value that like you and I see right now? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, and I, I feel for that so much. Like you said, the transition, um, just transition into sorority recruitment without a pandemic is hard, right? Um, totally. But yeah. Coming out of the pandemic and, and wanting to re-engage and making that decision. Um, so those members, you know, I would tell them to just reground themselves in their own purpose and reground themselves in their own why. Remember why they took that time, right? To step into a ballroom or a sorority house to learn more about those letters um, and really recognize that spaces like a sorority, it's so rare and so special to be around women who all care about service, philanthropy, bettering themselves. Yeah. Um, don't find that a lot, right? Yeah. And so that experience is so rare and you'll be able to take bits and pieces from it to continue to shape you in your future. So whatever reason that they might have to potentially distance themselves, I mean, I encourage them to talk to the members that stood out to them right during that recruitment time. Talk to your bigs, talk to your littles, um, your talk mentors, to your exec yep. team. Yeah. And really just like have those honest conversations. Cause that would really break my heart when we found out we lost members and we find out why afterwards. I'm like, Oh my goodness. If I would have known, like I could have helped them find a scholarship if it was finances, right? We could have supported them during a time when a parent was ill, right? And so really communicating because you'll have someone there coming to you like uh, Jennifer Hightower to me did, um, right? To support you in the community and, and going through Panhellenic, it will set them on a trajectory, not even just within their career, but knowing that they have a powerful group of women behind them um, to overcome anything, even a pandemic. Even a pandemic. That is so good. (laughs) Veronica, thank you so much for sharing your story and the lessons that you've learned and the incredible work that you've done as a result of um, these needs that you see in women's spaces based on your sorority experience. It's been a privilege to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you for having me. Thank you for creating this space and for having other women to listen in and uh, be such an inspiration for them and your trajectory and what you're doing. Um, You're doing this because you continue to care about others and you are impacting so many women um, more than you know. While it's so easy for us to minimize the longevity of our sorority experience to four years or sometimes even our new member experience and our first leadership position, right? Riding out those last two years of undergrad, it's undeniable the impact sorority can have on the rest of your life. I loved hearing Veronica's story, not only how her experience with PiFi and her passion around education took her from Arizona State to Teach for America, back to Arizona State working for Teach for America, and now working for Arizona State while cultivating spaces for women, regardless of sorority affiliation, 
or sorority membership or not to grow and find community. I hope that her story today inspired you to look beyond the walls of sorority to find spaces that sorority is empowering you and cultivating a passion inside of you to make a difference. Thanks for tuning in to the Your Sorority Journey podcast this week. If this episode left you with any guidance or confidence to navigate your sorority membership, we would love to hear from you. Share a screenshot of this episode on your Instagram story and tag Her Sorority Journey so we can know what resonated with you. Also, be sure to leave a review wherever you listen so more sister friends can find this guidance just like you. Here for you always, sister. 